Acts chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, we'll hear from Brian a little later. We want to give him a chance to speak to the congregation. But I want to first minister a little bit from the Word of God. I don't know if you caught this last month, but in the state of Utah, Republican lawmakers turned their wrath on the Utah school district that banned the Bible from younger students, calling the decision reprehensible and embarrassing for the state. The attacks came during a lengthy and combative in, uh, uh, meeting where the Davis School District officials were called on to explain the determination on the religious texts which some have drawn national, which uh, which has drawn national attention ever since it was made public earlier last month. One lawmaker said they should be ashamed. Another said that this is offensive. The criticism from the conservative members of the administration ruling committee carried on for ninety minutes, while the district superintendent and the uh, president, a board's president, tried to explain how the scriptures were determined inappropriate for children under the law that the legislatures had set up in 2022. They went on to say it's our intent to follow the law and it's been our earnest intent, but the law, HB 374, was spurred on by groups that largely tend to be targeted by the LBGTQ3X28 community that they find inappropriate. Each Under it, each district is tasked with setting up a policy for books and banning anything concerning sexual content, pornography, or anything that would be deemed indecent for that age group. And they've targeted the Bible. That is a political issue that is not surprising. That the world and the sinners attack the Bible. But I can tell you that the tragic reality with some Christians is the Bible is more or less banned. In the sense that, okay, you have it in your library... But do you read it? Do you search the Scriptures? I want to look with you at the, the, uh, the believers at Berea and how they did search the Scriptures. Acts 17, beginning in verse 10, it says, That very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Where they arrived, uh, when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scripture day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed and did, uh, as did prominent Greek women and men. But when some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. 
The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him uh, all the way to Athens, and when they returned to Berea uh, with the instructions for Silas and Paul to hurry and join him. Now, to put this in perspective, there have been problems, and we're going to look back at some of this in Thessalonica. And so Paul had to get out. These Jews weren't just kind of stirring up trouble. They actually wanted Paul dead. And so they're causing problems and such. And so Paul travels 45 miles to this little town called Berea. It's still there to this day. There's only about 20,000 people who live there. It's on the foot of uh, the mountains in the Greek. But he went into the synagogue. He began to preach. This was his normal modus operandi. This is what he did in every city. He went into the synagogues, preached the gospel, started with the Jews, uh, then began to reach out into the marketplaces and talk to others. Uh, And as he did that, uh, many people were getting saved. But the mark of the Berea believers is that they searched the scriptures. In verse 11, it says the people of Berea were more open-minded than those of Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. There are some churches they don't encourage people to read their Bibles. Because they wouldn't want to find out that, you know what, that maybe the preacher's not preaching the Word of God. From Christianity Today, it says, When researchers of the American Bible Society's annual state of the Bible report uh, uh, came out, uh, they saw uh, this year's uh, statistics and they found out they couldn't believe the results. This is 2022 statistics. The data roughly that 26 million people had mostly or completely stopped reading the Bible last year in 2021. We reviewed our calculations, we double-checked our math, and we ran the numbers again. And again, John Plake, the lead researcher for the American Bible Society, wrote in the 2022 report, we discovered startling and disheartening disruptives. In 2021, about 50% of Americans said they read the Bible at least on their own three to four times a year. That percentage had stayed steady since uh, since 2011. But in 2021, it dropped 11 points. Now nearly 39% percent say they read the Bible multiple times a year, the steepest and sharpest decline on record, which is fascinating to me because today we have more access to the Bible than ever before. You can download a hundred different versions of the Bible and most of them are free. You don't even have to go to a Christian bookstore. You don't have to find it or search it out. Uh, the Bible is readily available for everyone uh, to have. Uh, and yet it's tr- sad to see that the drop in those that actually read the Scriptures. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, the Sadducees, 
who did not believe in resurrection. They did not believe in angels and devils. They did not believe in a lot of things. They came to Jesus and they gave him a bizarre story. You can read the story later on your own time. It's, uh, you know, a guy, uh, there's one brother, he marries a girl. He dies before they have any children. So uh, he's one of seven. So the next brother marries her before they have children. He dies and on and on it goes. And then finally she dies. And they say, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Because all of them were married to her. And he makes the statement, Jesus replies, you are mistaken. Because you do not know the Scriptures. And you do not know the power of God. Too many people do not know what the Bible says. And the easy answer why is they don't read it. They don't search the Scriptures day by day. They're not interested and put it as a priority. There are two major reasons why people don't do this. One is uh, beyond laziness, but one is simply that then they're easily lulled into that it is not the Word of God, it just contains the Word of God. And the thought there is that, you know what, not every scripture you can take, you know, Paul was a murderous, uh, uh, drunkard, angry man before he got saved, and so you don't have to listen to him like you'd have to listen to the Gospels or something like that. It's insane. They use things like, oh, well, the Garden of Eden, that was imagery. There wasn't a real Adam and a real Eve. It was just kind of an imagery to introduce sin into our lives. It's not real. They'll downplay certain sins, especially those that are more accommodating for them. They'll say Jesus was a good teacher, but he wasn't God in the flesh. The other major one that they'll say is the Bible's full of contradictions. It's too hard. It's, it's errors. It's, you know, you charge someone to show me one and they'll always say, I, I, I don't know one right offhand. But I'll find one. And they'll always take things out of context and try to pick them apart that way. But they confirmed the word by finding out what was written. Did you ever think that God in all of his ways could have left his testimony in any way he desired? He's God. And he chose a book. If you want to know about God, read the book. You want to know God, read the book. You want to know what pleases God? Read the book. You want to know what doesn't please God? Read the book. It says that they searched the scriptures. Isaiah 34 verse 16, search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Not one bird or animal will be missing. None will lack a mate, for the Lord has promised this. His Spirit will make it all come true. You have a a problem? Search the book. Are you confused? Search the book. 
You need help in a relationship, in your marriage? Search the book. You want to know what God says about money? Search the book. Never just take anyone's word over Scripture. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3, Suppose there are prophets among you who dream a dream about the future. And they promise you signs and miracles. And the predicted signs or miracles occur. And then they say, come, let us worship other gods, gods you have not known before. Do not listen to them. For the Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart, with all your soul. The New Testament companion scripture is there will come a time where they will not endure good teachings but because they have burning, itching ears to hear fables, they'll be drawn away from the truth. It's very interesting when you ask the, people, when you ask the question, do you read the book, the Bible, yourself? Do you read it yourself? You know, it's very, it's in our text it says, as a result, verse 12, many Jews believed, as did many prominent Greeks, women and men. You know, if you really want to be effective in a witness, it's good to know some scriptures. But it's good to have the conviction. Lincoln Chaffee. He was mayor of Warwick, Rhode Island. And in 2016, he ran for president. Lincoln Chaffee has changed parties a number of times. He's gone from being a Republican to being a Democrat to kind of being back to a Republican to now being a Libertarian. One of his major platforms in 2016 is that he wanted to convert America to the metric system. That's a vote-getter. Can you feel the multitudes rush behind this man? There's a man of conviction. Most think that's a communist way of measuring things. They'll ask me, you know that commie way. How, what's, how, many, gallons in a, how many liters in a gallon or whatever? You know, they'll ask me, how, how hot is 40 degrees Celsius? Because I spend enough time overseas, I can actually think in both. You know, if you have convictions of what you believe, proclaim it with authority and are accurate, people will listen. It's good to know a few scriptures. We'll touch on that a little bit further on, but proclaiming. What does God say about the future? What does God say about... Your life. About eternity. Deliverance. Healing. My pastor said, or I heard once, or my fellowship believe isn't really enough. The Word of God says. Good scriptures to know, and you can choose ones you like. Ones on forgiveness. Redemption. The blood, healing, 
freedom. It's interesting in our text because the major thing that the Thessalonican Jews didn't like was that he preached the word. I think if Paul had just gone to Berea and just been there, they wouldn't have cared. But our text says in verse 13, but when some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. Let me just add right here, these aren't, these aren't just the LBT or any kind of other radical sinner group. These are religious people. The Jews are a symbol, if you will, of religious people today. There's people who they don't want the Word of God preached. One, because the Bible is a book of absolutes. There's not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. And your opinion doesn't matter. And as Americans with a First Amendment right and Twitter and talk radio, that bothers us. It's absolutes. It's either right or wrong. It's not like, well, if the situation is right and the moon is this way and the barometric pressure reads this, it's, we could, no. Adultery is never right. Acts 17, 2 and 3, when Paul's custom, this is when he was in Thessalonica, He went into the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies proved that the Messiah must suffer and raise from the dead. And he said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. If you don't believe that way, it doesn't work. It's interesting that when truth irritates someone... The Word of God irritates them. They don't want to say they're mad at God or the Bible. They'll say they get mad at the preacher. It's that preacher. He's telling me I got to do this. He's telling, well, where did he get that? Second Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It helps us correct. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. They're targeting Paul, but their real issue is the word of God. As a preacher, let me just tell you this. You've got to learn to deal with that. That people get mad at you, but their real issue is not you, it's the Word of God. They don't like what it says. They don't like the absolute. They don't, don't tell me I have to. You know, Pastor Greg recently, you know, uh, well, anyway, I won't ruin that. But anyway, we'll move on. They have to attack. 
Verse 14. And the believers, the believers, believers, the believers acted at once, sending Paul to the coast and Silas and Timothy remained behind. When people get mad at and don't like the word of God and it really bothers them, they become what our text says, troublemakers. They disrupt. People don't want to hear what God says, so they cause problems for others. I've seen pictures of preachers, street preaching. And, you know, different sinners, they'll get blowhorns and things and they'll just try to make noise and disrupt the preachers from preaching because they don't want to hear it. But it's very interesting that when Pastor Mitchell was fighting for the courthouse to do the concerts at the courthouse in Prescott, it was churches that opposed him. It's the Baptist church that opposed him. It was the Salvation Army. Who preacher admitted we should be doing that, but we're not. Pastor Mitchell says he remembers as a kid them preaching on the corner of the courthouse. When Paul was in Thessalonica, it says, not finding them there, this is the same group of troublemakers. They dragged Jason out and some other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas, having ceased, uh, having caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. They blame the preacher and the word of God now for being the troublemaker. It's that church. It's that church. It's that fellowship. They have to attack to justify themselves. Second Peter 3, 15 and 16. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to get saved. And this is what our brother Paul also wrote to you in the wisdom God gave him. Speaking these things in all his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. And those ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. They do this just as with other parts of the scriptures. This will result in their destruction. They twist the scriptures. That word twist literally means to torture They torture the scriptures to get them to say what they want them to say and usually ignore large portions of the Bible. It tells us that they did this out of jealousy. Acts 17.5, but when some of the Jews were, uh, were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so that they could drag him out into the crowd. This is when they couldn't find him. But they moved out of jealousy. It's interesting that Pilate knew that the Pharisees had turned Jesus over for envy or jealousy. Emotions over the Word of God. It's tragic 
when people get there. Matthew 26 tells us that when they did, that they knew that the religious, he, Pilate had known the religious leaders had turned him over. You can't have a bad spirit and like the word of God. You can't have a bad spirit. You can't be twisted in your spirit and want to read the Bible. Doesn't work. So the issue then, the question that you see with these troublemakers is they let emotions overrule what God said. So that brings us to the question, search the scriptures. How is your relationship with the Bible? How is your relationship with the Word of God? It is not the fourth part of the Trinity. I understand that. But if you want to know about the Trinity, read the book. Do you put a value on the Word of God upon Scriptures? Isaiah 8.20 Look to God. Uh, Look to God's instruction and teaching. People who contradict His Word are completely in the dark. Looking to God's Word is critical in your life. Knowing what the Scriptures say. Just reading the Bible on a regular basis. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 Because of that experience... We have a greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, rises in your heart. And above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's why you need to read your Bible on a regular basis. Revelation 1.3 Blessed, uh, God bless the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And blessed are those who listen to the message and obey what it says. For the time is near. I would suggest you go beyond just reading it. Take a subject. What do you need God to help you with? Marriage? Look at the scriptures of marriage. Money? Look at the scriptures on money. You know, I don't know if you know this, but let me give you a little bit of a Bible help thing. You have to be careful with it a little bit, but it can help you. It's called Google just put in scriptures on money, scriptures on morals, scriptures on marriage, scriptures on depression, scriptures on the rapture, scriptures on the... You have to be careful with it. I understand that. But you'll get scriptures. You can find out. They have all sorts of even free Bible programs that you can use to help you study the Word of God. 
doctrines, the rapture and tithing are always two that are challenged. Always. Once saved, always saved. Always challenged. I use a schedule. I suggest you find one. There's only probably, I don't know, 700,000 of them on the internet. You find one that works for you. You don't even have to read the Bible in a whole year. Just read the Bible. 1 Timothy 4.13 Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. I want to close with this. It's an article by Jeff Martin. Nine tangible benefits of reading, of Bible reading for your church. The center of, the center of Bible engagement completed an extensive research funded by Alan Cole and a number of other people that are all PhDs into a document titled Understanding the Bible's Engagement. The challenge is the scientific power of four. They studied 40,000 people. 40,000 people that ranged in ages from 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging the Scriptures. As they completed the results, they made a profound discovery that they were not even looking for when they originally planned the survey. The study indicated that when people engage the Scripture only once a week, including the time where the pastor says, open your Bibles to, there was a negligible effect on key areas in people's lives. The same result was true if they only opened the Bible two times a week and engaged the Scriptures too. It had little to no effect. Three times a week saw a slight increase. There was a slight pulse, faint heartbeat, something moved, behavior of the person engaging the Scriptures. The eye-opener happened when, when the Bible was engaged four times a week. A steady climb of impact was expected, which, uh, was ex- uh, which had not been expected. The level of basic uh, stagnation over one or two times a week with a small bump at three times a week, but then four times a week reached a spike in an astounding way. They found the following. 30% drop in feeling lonely. 32% drop in anger issues. A 40% drop in bitterness in relationships. A 57% drop in alcohol rates. A 68% drop in sex outside of marriage. A 60% drop in feeling stagnant spiritually, a 61% drop in viewing pornography, a 200% jump in sharing your faith, and a 230% jump 
in discipling another four times a week. The article goes on to say the research literally leaped off the charts. The findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences with people who engage the scripture at least four times a week and those who do uh, engage the scripture less often. The data is extremely revealing, full-blown effect to keep followers of Christ consistently reading their Bible on a daily basis. They searched the scripture day by day to find out if these things were true. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every head bowed for just a moment of time. You're here this evening. Maybe you're not right with God. The Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ came to earth, shed His blood for you, that you can be born again. You can have your sins forgiven. I'm not saying that just because I experienced it, although I did some 39 years ago. I'm saying that because I know that there's a God in heaven who loves you, cares about you, and I get that from the Bible. And if you're not right with God, Jesus wants to touch your life. He wants to forgive your sins. If that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Pray for me. Anyone at all. Maybe you're backslidden away from God. You need to come back to Jesus very quickly. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need Jesus Christ. Then changing the call to Christians. Reading your Bible. It doesn't say you have to read 17 chapters a day. Just engaging with the scriptures. Just engaging with the Bible every day. A marked, dramatic change in people's lives over those who just occasionally look at the Bible, engage the Word of God. Remarkable. That absolute challenge that is there. And so my challenge to you tonight is to search the Scriptures. to read it, to get some kind of daily, even if it's just a chapter a day, but to set that as a priority in your life, it changes the dynamic of your spiritual life. Yes, it is a discipline But it's really far beyond that. Much more than just simply, this is what I must do. This is, this touches into the very soul. And I believe this is why God put this little town of Berea on the map in the scriptures so that we would know The Word of God 
something God honors and God does a great work with. Let's stand. We're going to open up these altars. Touch God. Talk to Him about His Word. Talk to Him about your commitment this night. Seal it. Let God help you. Hallelujah. Father, we love you, God. We praise you. Hallelujah.